Let's Talk PR and More. Public relations, media, publicity, integrated communications, marketing, digital, reputation management, and more. Let's Talk PR and More with award-winning PR strategist, Sherry Goldman. Hi, I'm Sherry Goldman, president of Goldman Communications Group, and welcome to my show, Let's Talk PR and More. Today, my guest is Laurel Carpenter. Laurel is co-founder, along with Charles Herald, of Pearl Consulting NYC, which helps service-based businesses and solopreneurs find their brand voice and then use that brand voice in their long-form content, including websites, blog posts, and books. Laurel has extensive experience working not only with small businesses and solopreneurs, but with some of the area's largest nonprofits, including The Bridge, Vegs, and Volunteers of America of Greater New York. Helping them and others simplify their complicated messages and stories and telling those messages and stories in a way that will resonate with their target audiences. And today we're going to talk with Laurel about brand voice, which is so important in public relations and marketing. So Laurel, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here today. Thanks, Sherry. It's great to be here. So let's get started. And I guess my first question is, what's brand voice? So brand voice is another way of saying your brand's personality. It's what makes a brand instantly recognizable when you hear and see them. For example, when you hear Nike, Coca-Cola, or even the oat milk brand Oatly, you recognize their personality from their copy and their visual. Does every brand have a voice? Does every company have a voice? I would say that every company should have a brand voice, and often your brand voice is what other people think it is. You can have some control over that by going through a process to understand what brand voice you're projecting and what you want to project. So I'm going to take a step back and then we'll visit what that process is. But if the audience or the consumer determines what your brand voice is, that sounds like a negative to me. Shouldn't you be, shouldn't you understand who you are? And then I'm in public relations. We like to control the message. Shouldn't Mm -hmm. you then be bringing that message out to people and letting instead of letting other people decide what you are which may not may or may not be appropriate to you may or not be effective for your marketing or your sales strategy or or your reputation or anything absolutely sherry and that's one of the reasons why with brand voice one of the first things i recommend that people do is to figure out what their values are as a brand and that could be a personal brand or a business brand so That way, if you know what your values are, that's the first step and controlling the message and making sure that you are actually crafting a message that's going to be heard the way you want it to be heard. Okay, so you say values. So does a company, an organization, a person have to sit back and say, who am I, what am I, what do I represent? And then from there, you can decide what a brand voice is? Yes, exactly. And our process is brand archetypes, and every archetype has a value attached to it. So, for example, if you're a caregiver archetype, your value is service. You want to be of service to other people. If you're a hero brand, like Nike is an example of a hero brand, it's courage, self-determination, being strong and disciplined. So it's really helpful to go through that process so that you you know yourself and then you can control what you're saying to others. All right, so let's go through. You say there are 12 brand archetypes, right? Can we go through what they are, what their key value is, and maybe what a company that would represent it so our listeners can kind of understand this? Sure, of course. Great. There's definitely um, 
some companies that are commonly thought of when you think of brand archetypes. And so, for example, Target, the citizen, they use very plain and simple language. It's about like belonging to the group. It's about being a good neighbor. That's one example. And, and then the archetype nice, is a citizen? Is... A citizen, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. The citizen, like the, everything is very, um, it, the, it's not hard to understand the language. There's not a lot of mystery there. It's very plain and simple. The copy is succinct. On the other hand, we've got Disney, which is the magician or transformation. It's like, come discover the magic is their tagline. So you know that you are going to have an awe-inspiring experience if you go to Disney. That's their entire brand. There's going to be surprises and magic. They don't tell you everything. I was just going to say to you was when I hear that, when you say magician, and of course people think of Disney and Tinkerbell, so Disney is magic and all that. But when you say, come hear the magic, my initial thought was, they're not telling me anything. So you're saying (laughs) that tagline, their message is on purpose because they're the magician architect. They're trying not to tell you anything. They're trying to lure you in with figure it out or lure it using the allure to bring you in, but not telling you specifically anything. Yes, exactly. It's like the feeling you get when you hear the tagline and you see the images and you look at, you know, Mickey Mouse and all of the the characters and they have, you're going to have an experience when you go there. Okay. it's it's it, they're promising a certain experience and you're going to be like thrilled and full of wonder when you go there. And I would say though that one of the most interesting brands right now in terms of archetypes and I want to mention this because it's been talked about a lot in the advertising world is Oatly, the right. oat milk brand, which is basically a, a new, few year old brand. It's only a few years old, right? Five, six, seven yes. years old, something like that. They're an example of the complexity of brand archetypes because they're funny. They have a certain sense of humor, and that could be considered the jester. But they're not just that. They're also the rebel, which is what they call a challenger brand. They're doing something really different. It's not just a carton of oat milk telling you what it is on the carton. They have a very reverent, I'm going to use the word millennial style of writing it's it's a certain brand of humor that's designed for a certain target audience and they also um they tell you about the ingredients on the package but without lecturing you about it they say oh we're 100 percent plant-based but if you don't want to read the details that's fine have a nice day does it really say that i've never i've never seen it never read a package remotely so i was going to say tell me some of that messaging so that i understand but that's wild if that's what they say and i mention it because one criticism of brand archetype sherry is that it's old-fashioned and that like it's for big brands, but really like Oatly to me shows how complex brand archetypes can be and it, and how clever it can be to combine a couple different ones into one brand. And it, I think it's a pretty brilliant, actually. So I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that because <laughs> the Jester archetype, a lot of people use the, the brand Old Spice as an example of that. But Old Spice is very bro humor and I mean, some people think it's really funny. That's great. It's I'm not the target audience for Old Spice, but just to say a brand is funny, like there's nuances to that. There are different audiences you might be aiming towards with that jester archetype. It's not just one kind of humor. I mean, one of our clients loves John Mulaney, and she wanted us to find a way to incorporate 
his sense of humor into her brand. That was a challenge, let me tell oh, you. Oh, that so. sounds like a huge challenge. So the jester <laughs> archetype is someone that uses humor, humor or funny or kind of whimsy in their mm-hmm. messaging? Yeah, but be a lot of different things. It doesn't, when, when we say jester, it's kind of a, a catch-all for a lot of different kinds of comedy. I mean, if you think about like Oatly's copy, that's funny. It's very different from Old Spice, for example. Right. Okay, so let's go through some of the others and then I have more questions. So there's one called the caregiver. Yeah. So what's the caregiver? So caregiver is often like a non, often used by nonprofits or hospitals. It's like we're, we are here to be of service to you to help a certain community. We are like self-sacrificing we're really like we're here to like take care of you that's that's often the message of the caregiver brand so there's usually it's a gentle gentle language it's sincere that's one example okay and then we have a brand archetype called the creator the creator is often a very um they're all about reinvention that's that's like their value they're they're about innovating so for example a lot of brands like apple and Lego and even Pinterest, they encourage people to be creators themselves. They often have really bright, colorful advertising or inspirational type messages about how you can also be a creator yourself and tap into that potential. Think different is Apple's tagline. That's a really famous one. But Pinterest recently had a whole campaign in subways called Pinterest Do, and it showed different people dressed in like colorful clothes is very colorful ads with like a negative statement like I look like a highlighter in these clothes crossed out and the person is standing there dressed like in bright neon clothing so it's like erasing self-doubt and becoming creative even despite like whatever doubts you may have the campaign encourages people to be creators and to use Pinterest to create their own looks and their own to, to do things that they might doubt that they can do to access their creativity so that's the creator brand and pinterest is my current favorite example of that sounds interesting (laughs) i haven't seen that subway ad yet but i haven't been in the subway in a while tell me about there's a few others the explorer hero so i want to go through and then i want to know we'll talk about you know how does the company figure out who they are and how does it amplify through not only advertising but their website and everything else but i want to go through the rest of the archetypes first sure so Explorer, their value is freedom. So a lot of companies, like, they don't want to be fenced in. So oftentimes outdoor brands use the Explorer, like Patagonia or REI, those type of companies you see Jeep where it's like there's often a sense of adventure. You see mountains and people climbing mountains or doing things that might be a little bit scary or outside of outside of the box, like adventure-wise. It's a very much often used by, by adventure brands or you know, outdoor brand, outdoor clothing brands. Okay. That would be the Explorer. So the Hero is, is used really frequently, I'd say, by people that want to showcase courage and discipline. And I mentioned Nike, but a lot of people who are in the military very much gravitate towards the Hero brand, like former police, fire department, that that kind of thing, military, they are often very much into the hero, like discipline, self-sacrifice, that we have a actually a client who is a manufacturing company that they make like steel component parts and they are, they're all about like the hero and self-sacrifice and uh, it's, it's really interesting because they are also, they're also a blend of another archetype, but I'll get into that more later. The innocent, which is about safety, is usually brands like you, you think of Dove or Avino, um, anything involving animals and children. That it's about protection, safety, sometimes a little bit about sentimentality. 
and actually a TV show comes to mind when I think of The Innocent. The um, If you've ever seen the PBS show All Creatures Great and Small, the no. problems are never really very bad and everything's very optimistic and when you watch the show, you just feel like the world is a great place and there's a lot about protecting animals and like it's a huge part of that show. I think of the All Creatures Great and Small when I think of The Innocent. We talked about the jester. The lover is about intimacy, and that's often, like, used for perfume brands or even luxury brands. And it's usually there's a seductive quality about the copy and imagery. So um, biting into a chocolate, like Godiva. Oh, my favorite. My favorite. (laughs) Such a chocoholic. (laughs) That would be one example. And I mentioned the magician. The rebel is an interesting one. So common examples of the rebel brand which is about revolution and disruption you'll hear harley davidson mentioned just ride is their tagline or virgin airlines richard branson is frequently cited by a lot of people who admire the rebel archetype as his company virgin which was very much disruptive at the time rebel is an interesting brand because a lot of people on linkedin you'll see people who especially tech company founders who will say things like your marketing sucks and this is why and to me, that's like a very aggressive use of the Rebel brand. I think it can be used more subtly. And in fact, I think like Oatly, just by doing what they're doing as a Rebel brand, because they're using the copy and the packaging in a very different way than most oat milk brands. So well, when me, I think of really- Rebel, they're just breaking out of the norm. So the yeah. norm for milk or whatever, we, we would find another archetype. But they're, they're, they're disrupting in some ways what traditional marketing is. And that's usually how companies are effective is you don't want to do something that everyone else does. I even tell my PR clients, you know, if I'm doing a business pitch, well, we're a cookie brand. And, you know, how many cookies have you done? And I said, you don't want to market like every other cookie. You want to take some other package good experience and bring that to the So you're doing something different. You don't want to be the eighth me too. In the marketplace, you're not going to reach a target audience. You're not going to make an impact. Correct. And I actually think people mistake the Rebel brand for just being loud and aggressive a lot of times. But you're you're absolutely right. It is about disrupting the marketplace. And so a lot of people think they're Rebels, but... I think just being loud and aggressive doesn't mean you're a rebel. No. It's <laughs> a pet annoying. of mine, actually. <laughs> yeah, I love that you said that. That's so true. Um, absolutely. And then the ruler, which is about control, is that's like oftentimes luxury cars, cigars. It's about status and quality. Okay. And it's funny because we actually have had a couple clients who got the ruler as their archetype because they really like high-end brands. But it doesn't always have to be about, like, we're better than you. It can also be about we produce a very high quality product and that we take pride in that. So, for example, there's a watch company in Detroit called Shinola, which one of our clients brought to our attention, and they make a very high quality product. And in that way, there there are a couple other archetypes, not just that, but that's a the quality aspect of the ruler is something a lot of clients have latched onto because the ruler can also be extreme, like certain politicians who are, you know, very well known, or it, it can it can take a negative connotation, but it doesn't have to be. And the sage is knowledge. So I would say that sage is one of the most common archetypes that comes up with especially service-based businesses that are in like B2B marketing because a lot of times those businesses have a a complex product or offering that they want to convey. But a common sage brand is also the New York Times or the BBC, like newspapers that produce information. There's often an intelligence about the sage. But I often caution people that are sage to blend with other archetypes because it can 
it, it can come across a little bit stiff if you're just talking about how smart you are and using a lot of big words in your copy. It doesn't always work very well. And that is one of the biggest problems I'd say that we run into with our own clients is using super big words and jargon and thinking everybody understands it. Well, that's one of my pet peeves. And I always say to clients or people, you know, you you know your industry, your product very well, but who is your target consumer? Because if they don't understand what you're offering or why they need that, and, and all your acronyms and everything, they're not going to buy your product. They're just going to gloss over. They're not going to spend the time reading. So now that we know what the archetypes are, and, you know, some of it obviously seemed very, of course, to me, you know, the explorer, when we think of a Jeep or we think of REI, mm -hmm. is it based upon what the product and how much of your brand archetype takes into who's actually buying your product? Because you said luxury and, and, and chocolate, but it could have 22 different target audiences that would buy it. So when you determine your brand voice, how much is who you are as a product or a company or an organization and how much is based needs to be based upon who you're trying to reach and what they are? Because I always think you want to talk to the people you're trying to reach. I mean, one of the things I always teach is people hear, obviously, in their own purview, but everybody hears a message and says, what's in it for me? Why should I care? So if you're not talking to that audience or you're not using words mm -hmm. or things that resonate with the audience, it's not going to be effective. Right. So most of our, our clients in our business are solopreneurs and small businesses, okay. and they struggle with, I think for a big brand, like, Oftentimes they hire an ad agency to take them through this process and to kind of have market research on their ideal clients and all of that stuff. And that's all taken into account when they create their brand voice. With us, we have sometimes a little bit less to work with, but here's how we deal with that. Yeah, because so everybody have, should do this. You don't have to be Disney to do this. There you don't. Be any kind of company or organization, whether you're a nonprofit, a small service business, solopreneur, an author, you need to know what your brand voice is before you start going forward. So we do have people start with their values and we do have a, we have a brand archetype quiz that we have people take, but there are other ways of getting at that too. You can, there's like a lot about this actually online, finding out what your values are and also doing an analysis of who do you want your target audience to be? Who is your ideal client? Because it is oftentimes with people that are earlier on in their business, they struggle a lot to define their ideal client. Okay. And we take people through an exercise about defining that. And it's something that can be what I'll call an iterative a process that it, you may think your target audience is one thing and you might create something around that. And when you test the message, which I highly recommend people do with their, like even a couple of their best clients, like this is, you know, this is my new brand voice. I'm, I'm testing out this tagline. What do you think? get some feedback because otherwise you are shooting in the dark and I'll give you an example so one of our clients is very much a jester in his personality and more of a more of like an old spice type jester like with the you know he he, he came up with it we came up with a tagline for him among others this is just one corporate videos that don't suck but in the end nice <laughs> I know it's funny right and he loved it. And we could, we, there are some people that would argue that he should stick with what feels best to him 100%. But that message didn't always go over that well with some of his target audience, which was like mid sized manufacturing company CEOs. And he ended up tweaking the voice to focus a little bit more on the quality part of his brand, which is the ruler and the citizen. Like, 
it's not that he uses no humor, but that was a little harsh. No, I can see that. his clients. I will tell so. you, many, many years ago, I was doing a project for a client. I had a, and I'm managing their website redevelopment project. And I had to bring in three designers. And one of the firms literally was named Worst of All Design. And they're very successful. Them. You know them, right, Pia? <laughs> and they're very successful. But the prospective client said, we couldn't even tell our board we're hiring a firm named Worst of All Design. They would have to change their name for us. And I'm like, we didn't go with them for different reasons. But the, this this board was very uncomfortable with that kind of name. They didn't understand mm-hmm. the humor, obviously, the, the, maybe the gesture, but that it was just done like they took it wrong and they, they couldn't work with that. It was interesting Just that you rebel. Say that. Yep. Yeah. I, I hear you. And actually, that, that, that is something that does come up. You're absolutely right. And I, there, I have had competitors argue with me, I'm not going to lie, that go all in on your personality. And that right. is Right. And she hasn't been wildly successful as a firm. You know, and sometimes you'd say, we're not going to win every piece of business. And we are very authentic because authenticity does matter. So you do want to mm-hmm. be authentic to who you are. But you also have to know how it's being heard and received and who you're trying to sell to. Well, with this client, and I don't I don't disagree with being authentic, but he, he had to find a slightly different emphasis on authenticity. So one of the things he really prides himself on is these very high-quality videos. And so we ended up focusing more on the craftsmanship of the videos. Okay. And, and it was cinematic videos, not so much like, you know, talking head things like not he, the testimonials he, for websites which are boring right right <laughs> exactly so we ended up focusing a little bit more it was still authentic but we weren't going full in on the the really aggressive like jester rubble type messaging of corporate videos that don't suck and that's very popular right now i would say that kind of going in that direction and it does work for certain markets but it doesn't work for others so, so um and i'm i i actually felt like that process was really interesting because he also the first time he took the questionnaire, he was the quiz. He was like, I don't think I can use all of this for my actual brand. So we had to, we, we had, we use conversation and, you know, some brainstorming exercises. It's not like we're just, you take this quiz and it's all of a sudden that's your, your brand archetypes that we're using. There's more to it than that. If you so. give a prospective client this list of 12 archetypes, do they think, are they certain who they are and are sometimes they surprised that there's somebody else than they thought? Yes. Or, I mean, how much of it is determined? And I know you ask questions and values and understand it, but are they surprised? And then how do you manifest this? Because one of the things we talked about is you use this brand voice, simplify complicated messages and stories. So what do you then use to, to do that? Okay, so in our process, and I we actually have them do a quiz, which helps them figure out which archetypes that they are. And it's something we created after a lot of iteration. It's not So it's not like we just hand them the list of values, which I don't think is that helpful because I've worked with a coach once who handed me a list of values and told me to circle them. And I was like, I, I don't know. But if you ask, <laughs> like if you kind of get at it in a little bit more roundabout way, asking them what statements resonate with them, like more of a psychological okay. <laughs> way. A good we way to be shrinked, way. right? Exactly. A little bit, a little bit, but in a fun way, shrinked. Um, so once we discuss the results with the person and we start there and ask what resonated and we like, if, you know, if it, we also, if there's a team, we have all of the team members take it. We worked with a law firm where all the members of the core decision-making team took it, and they had a huge debate with each other about which values worked the best for their new brand because there were some in the old camp and some in the new camp. So 
that's something we moderate those discussions and like bring that out in the open. So we brainstorm around it and see like what works. And then we, what we do next is we actually have them do research. We actually have the client give them some questions, but we have them do research on their inspirations and their competitors. So we, we have them look at competitors' websites and we also have them look at like what, what resonates with you? Like what are some brands or personalities that resonate with you? Like a lot of people will actually like say that they resonate with a particular personality, not, not even necessarily, which is a brand, I guess like Tony Robbins is an example of that. He's a personality, but also a brand. And we, we actually, what we do is we go and we look at all of this stuff on our own, like see what common threads we can find. So for example, we recently worked on a fractional CMO, Fractional Chief Marketing Officer's brand. And when we looked at her competitors' websites, almost all of them said exactly the same thing and were very dry and intellectual and boring. And I was like, oh, my God, you have such an opportunity here to, like, bring forth your much more exciting, like... While still using the same keywords, so SEO will find it because you have to have all the same content, no less. Right. It's... So it's the tone of language? Is it the colors? I mean, so you then have to bring it out when you rewrite a website, the tone of language in their social media. It's the tone that has to be consistent. So what we do is we ultimately create a brand deck after we do three sessions with the client. And the third is a working session where we do mission, vision, values, value proposition. We create a dictionary of words of, of things that like have the client says that represent the different archetypes we we have we create a tone it's pretty in-depth it's i've seen some brand voice guidelines from some other folks and sometimes they're very surfacey we dig pretty deep to get this information okay and then we have we looked at it with the client and get their reactions and see like what people think and i would say that this is easier if it's a solo practitioner than with a group but it's important to do it with the group um and we get people's feedback, and then we iterate and revise. And the whole process usually, this is short for a branding process, but it usually takes about 30 days, sometimes 60, if there's um, you know, a lot of decision makers involved to do this whole thing where we have our three sessions, and they do the homework, and we do our own homework. And we Charles and I do a brainstorming session on like all of the taglines and mission, vision, values, and we after we've met with the client twice, we present that to them. So then they have an opportunity to say what they liked and didn't like. And we offer a different, a bunch of different options that are usually um, a blend of the three archetypes, or maybe they're a little bit more heavy on one than the other. And that's the hardest part of the process, but it's also the most fun. (laughs) And then the key though, is they have to take what you give them and then integrate it into their website, into their copy, because understanding it but not integrating it and being consistent to use it, I would imagine, why bother? Well, our goal with the Brand Deck is that it's usually, we usually work with people when they're doing a website copy refresh. And a lot of what So that's create, a good time to revisit. If you're trying to rebrand yeah. or you've been in business for a while and saying we're, we're looking for a refresh is to, before you just kind of create a new logo or something, is to really take a step back and say, let's reevaluate who we are, what we stand for, what we're like, and then do that so that you refresh all at once. Right. And sometimes, like, I would say that we... We do also write the website copy for people sure. if they want that. And 
Sometimes people have taken the brand deck and written it themselves. That's happened too. We can do it either way, but often most of what they need for the homepage is on the is part of the brand deck. So, so definitely incorporating work, that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the work has already been started. I, I think that it's way easier to write the copy once you have a very good sense for the core message and the the like some guidelines around the language that you're going to use. Absolutely. It's, it's a lot easier. And and I would say that like it's it's off it's also going to really help differentiate you beyond SEO keywords, which are very important, but those can be included in a brand voice copy that is branded. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that both things can be possible. No, and, and they need to be because <laughs> you need to have the keywords. But the answer is if if what you're saying is exactly the same as everyone else, you have no point of differentiation, at least from that mm -hmm. perspective. Does a brand voice change over time? Is there a period of time that you say every company should take a step back every five years, every ten years, and and revisit this? It, are there milestones in an or a small business or even a large businesses? You know, I would say that if you here, I wouldn't give it a time frame necessarily, but when you're working with a brand new target audience that's okay. substantial, maybe adding a new offering that's you know gonna change your direction quite a bit. If you were a lot of times, big brands do this when they're acquired or they acquire another company. So um, those may really change the brand voice so i mean look at I, I actually don't feel like this is a wonderful example but look at facebook and meta uh, i mean that's not. I, I actually miss the name facebook i'm not gonna lie i still I use it I, <laughs> I still use it but that that would be an example of a very big you know change in voice but i've I also know that other smaller, like sometimes if you're you're a, a solopreneur, a small business, and you totally change your target audience, you might want to change the brand voice. We didn't work on this, but there was a woman in one of my networking groups who decided to change her target audience, and she went all in on a really different brand voice for her company. And it's very radically different from what she had in the beginning. It was very sage and very like she was a financial a chief financial officer who outsourced herself and like her original brand was very sage and like the copy was kind of dry and then she incorporated in her her dance background into her into her brand she chose to put a little bit of her personal branding into the brand and and the colors were orange and pink and there were people dancing with briefcases on the website it's really unusual and fun and i actually really like what she did so. It's interesting because my reaction hearing that is, you know, you want to make sure you don't alienate the people that you have been dealing with who think of you in one way because brand voice is a piece of reputation and reputation matters. You spend your entire careers building a reputation that could be one ding and you lose it. So if you suddenly do something so jarring, people go, oh, maybe I don't want to be with that or they're not who I thought we were, they were anymore. And, and you might be building a new target audience, but you may be alienating an old one. I don't disagree with that, but in this person's case, and it's, of course, a case-by-case -case basis, I think that she is pretty well-respected, and I think that her bringing in, like, more energy and color into her brand, like, really resonated with her audience. That That's my guess, because okay. I, I see... I see that there's... She's getting a lot more social media attention and positive attention. I don't... I mean, I'm not inside there looking at what... Right, the and it are, may be but, a piece of the puzzle that she's doing a more, you know, comprehensive outreach campaign in general.
good to know. This has been really interesting. Do people have a brand voice? Or is it really only for, I mean, as a person? Oh, no. People, I would say that, like. You know, is somebody starting, let's say, starting a career in PR, do they have a, a student, do they have a brand voice that they have to worry about as they put themselves out in the world? Or is it really yes. only for companies and brands? I mean, honestly, like, just take a look at, like, personal branding within companies has become a thing. And that's. That's not our specialty necessarily, but it, it is a thing for sure. Creating your personal brand if you work in a nine to five job or if you're an independent freelancer like a coach, for and example. And a lot of people are independent, either freelancers or this is a very much a gig, gig economy. So people are constantly mm -hmm. out there getting next jobs. Yeah. I mean, if you're, and if you're in PR, I'm sure you probably have a niche that you serve and that. It would definitely benefit someone starting out in PR to create a personal brand or, you know, to, to navigate those waters of how much of it is my personality and how much of it is my business and do a brand process. So, yes, absolutely. Great. This has been fascinating. Thanks so much for being here today and doing this. You're this welcome. has been great. I love learning about it. Thank you. Your questions are great. And <laughs> I, I, I really love speaking with you, too. So thank you, Sherry. You're welcome. Have a great day, Laurel. I'm Sherry Goldman, and that's Let's Talk PR and More for today. You can find more information about the show and about me at Goldman Communications Group's website, www.goldmanpr.net. Thank you again for listening today. Look forward to talking PR and more with you all again next week.